This, this, this is KU. KUT. KUT, Austin. Stop. This is KUT. I'm Jennifer Staten. Maybe you've heard that advice. It actually feels a little out of step these days that you shouldn't discuss politics or religion in polite company. Like I said, considering what's in the news these days, that could be pretty hard to pull off. So can we keep critically important conversations going, but keep them polite? Janice and Rock Rockman are Central Texas Life and Relationship Coaches, certified by an International Coaching Federation accredited program. And they say, yes, you can. Just ahead of the midterm elections, we talked about why these conversations can get ugly and tense and how to tame them a bit while still holding strong to beliefs. If you really want to get someone stirred up, there are two conversations that you either want to have or you don't want to have, and that's religion and politics. Because the the beliefs and the understandings are so polarizing. It's like on one side of the fence and someone's on the other side. And the interesting thing is you're never going to change the other person's mind. Yeah, I think also to me, politics, I think the way that politics have been constructed, um, the decisions that are made, they move the direction and the flow of our society. So we very much tie in our opportunities, Mm -hmm. our lack thereof, our disadvantages for ourselves as well as the next generation. And then also there's something about the political realm that also speaks greatly to morality and what we really believe or see as being right or wrong, (laughs) fair or unfair, you know, spiritual or non-spiritual, or some of these things that they violate some sort of value principle. Mm -hmm. So it really touches on a core life or death. It really touches on a core and it touches on economics. It touches on, um, you know, physical health and medical care. It touches on access to education and resources. So it touches on a lot of the things that we kind of grapple for in our society. One of the things about politics in particular is that if you hold a certain set of beliefs and somebody that you're having discussion with holds a different set your beliefs are about something that you think is is maybe bad or wrong for other people. Or the flip of that would be you believe that certain mm-hmm. things are going to be good for people and certain things are going to be bad. Right. And those two beliefs of you and the other person aren't in agreement. So it does seem like it's something really kind of essential to how people live and mm-hmm. whether they're living good lives or not. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it's not like my sports team won or lost <laughs> or, you know, I don't like the color blue. I like mm-hmm. the color red. Like right. it does feel like the stakes are much higher. Yeah. And it, it does. It feels almost like a visceral kind of organic response. You know, what happens politically is going to determine what my day to day life looks like. And not only my day to day life, but sometimes the next decade or several decades in that it might shift the culture. And if I don't agree with the direction the culture is in, or I feel that the culture needs to go in a particular way, then I'm going to be pretty fired up about right. the outcome. Yeah. Or if a particular person, you know, obtains a position in office, then life as I know it is going to change completely, which in a lot of ways, that's not the case. You know, some things can change, but in a lot of ways, your individual life in a lot of ways is going to stay on course to and on par with whatever it is. It seems like, Our discussions about politics, they get heated, people are passionate about them, and it seems like they come up to a line, though, and then they cross the line, and the line is sort of civility and respect, because it seems like you could disagree about these issues without being angry, mean, Mm -hmm. or uncivil, but a lot of times we cross that line. Why do we cross the line? Like, why can't we keep it? civil and respectful. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think most people just want to be right. And 
instead of allowing the other person to have their truth, they want to be right in whatever it is that they're sharing. And I think most people get frustrated when you can't get an individual to understand what it is that you believe or what it is that you're trying to say. You know, we live in a society, you know, water boils at 212 degrees. We live in a 211 and a half degree society. You know, we're just at the tip of our boiling point. And when we're sharing these thoughts, ideologies, differences, feelings, emotions, what we believe, we get to our boiling point when we can't get that other person to see our value, to see our point, to see life the way that we see it. Yeah. And I think some of it also really ties into some of our insecurities and greatest fears. I really think that we have a deep, deep fear that we won't be seen, we won't be heard, we won't be validated, and essentially will become obsolete on some level that what we have to, what we have to say won't matter. And I do think that it is a worthy conversation for us to start to have at our dinner tables, at our breakfast mm-hmm. meetings, at our coffees, that it's not our role in this world and on this planet to be understood you speak your truth, you hold your position, and you let it settle. Because uh, the more that we fight to get someone to understand our point of view, we're raising our defenses, which, Mm. you know, just by function of human nature, they're going to raise their defenses and the stakes just keep getting higher and higher. We see people that don't speak anymore. We see people um, that have parents that their conversations are now very, have great brevity because dad believes this and son believes that, you know, the generational gap and what we believe in politics. And at the end of it, we, I think that we have to get secure enough in our individual identity that it's not reliant on someone else seeing, hearing or validating us and being secure enough to say, I can sit with you. I can share space with you, even if I diabolically disagree with you, but I can still honor you and honor your perspective. It does not mean I have to agree with it. It doesn't mean I have to tolerate it. It doesn't mean I have to vote it. (laughs) But I can sit with it and share that space. I can have a hard conversation with you, but still allow you to have your truth with respect. Yeah. Right? And then go go grab a bite to eat. (laughs) (laughs) So I think that's a really interesting point, which is, and it kind of ties back to something you said a little earlier, Rock, which is what is the goal when we get into a conversation that escalates about politics and rock, you said you're never going to change somebody (laughs) else's mind about this. And that seems like a really important thing to keep in mind because sometimes it's, it's, it can feel like if you're presenting your truth and someone else is presenting their truth, that they are trying to get you to change your mind. Yeah. Yeah. Most people, we, we live in a world where we're constantly trying to change not only ourselves, but other individuals. But people are going to be who they are going to be. You're not going to get someone. And, and sometimes people make a new decision, right? Some some people make a new decision and they may be switched from Republican to Democrat or vice versa. But it's going to be very difficult for you to change someone else's mind. The best methodology to keep things at peace, to keep things in respect is share your truth allow them to have their truth and move on from there. The goal could become more so to elevate our level or our state of consciousness right. or to, to elevate our state of collective consciousness so that even if I don't agree with this person, I, I now have a different lens to see the world through because I can kind of see the world through their perspective. Right. So it changes our state of awareness as opposed to it changing our position. Yeah. You know, I, I used to, I used to say this in, in, when I was in the, in a sales environment, a no doesn't bother me at least let it be an informed no. And then that way, at least you got the information. 
right? You can tell me no. You can tell me you don't agree with me. But here, let me at least deliver this information to you, right? And yeah. be okay with the fact that they don't agree. And whatever happened to responses, instead of when someone makes a point, instead of looking for a counter response or a rebuttal or sitting there and, and nodding our heads and at that same time we're like stewing in our head we're not even hearing them we're just waiting for our response we're collecting and gathering all our data whatever happened to saying ah oh, tell me more about that right oh i i hear you oh that sounds tough oh that's interesting right i never thought of it like that you know kind of making connections and making giving feedback that creates connection and engagement rather than a rebuttal or defense. This is right. everything doesn't have to become a courtroom debate. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> because ultimately if someone is like you said, Rock, if someone might make a new decision or change, it's not going to be because we're beating them over the head with our ideas. No. If anything maybe in the presentation of ideas and in us creating an open and a safe space, it might give them something different to consider right. when they walk away. Here's here's the presentation of my information. Here's what I believe. Here's what I have to deliver to you. And you take that and do what you will with it. Do what you will. I'm not going to force you. I'm not going to push you. I don't want to change you. I have my beliefs. You have yours. I'll lay mine out on the table and you take it and you pick it up and throw it away or keep it, retain it, you know, chuck some of it, but do with it with what you will. Well, it seems like the the slice of this conversation that's about how do we bring more respect to it? It seems like one of the ways to bring some more respect to these discussions is to listen. Because, <laughs> Denise, it does seem like part of what we do is we're thinking in our heads, I'm going to I'm gonna say this, and I'm going to say that, and I'm going to say that as soon as they're done, and not even really hearing what they're saying. Yeah. The only information we're gathering sometimes when we're listening is enough so that we can come up with a counter-argument. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Absolutely. And we've got we're two, waiting to be heard. We're waiting. Of we've got two ears and one mouth for a reason. Sometimes I'm like, you know, practice the art of self-control. Gosh, it, it, it also allows us to take a little bit of our power back, because every time we get angry and get livid and lose our sense of self because someone doesn't agree with us, we're kind of giving over a piece of our power to them and letting them walk away with it. And it doesn't necessarily have to be that way. It doesn't. (laughs) And you have to ask yourself what's going on internally. If, you know, because I've seen, you know, back when Trump was voted in as president and, you know, there, there's so many different beliefs and polarizing opposites. And I saw where people were unfriending, like, you know, unfriending folks on Facebook and social media. I'm not talking to this person or that person. And you have to ask yourself, what's going on internally? Because it is it really just about the politics? If you're blowing up and you're getting furious about a political belief, there's something else going on there. At that point, is, is it really about the politics or is it something internally that you need to get out? Is Is there some anger that you're holding within that needs to, and this is the way that you choose to express it? Right. What's really going on there? Yeah. And I think so many people too go through life with this sense of a feeling of it's almost like this underlying feeling of being feeling powerless. Right. And so sometimes I do think that we see politics as a way to gain some of that power to move things in a direction towards social change or economic change. Um, and so I think for a lot of people, in all fairness, I think it can be very scary because it's like this is the one thing I can hold on to to try That's and right. affect some sort of change. What about somebody, though, who is in a political debate or they're in a political discussion? How do you um, marshal forces within yourself to listen to and respect somebody who holds a belief that you honestly think is harmful and bad to a lot of people? 
to their health care, their well-being, their income, their status in the world. How do you learn to listen to and understand a belief that you just can't see as being good in any way? Mm-hmm. That's a good one. That's a really good one. That's a really good one. It's like I have to pause for a moment. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I think, though, I do think that this has to be a way of life. Like letting go of anger, letting go of fear. Letting go of judgment. Letting go of judgment. Letting go of the need to control. I, I think it happens on on high, Highway 35 when we're stuck in traffic. You know, I think it happens when the, the person brings back our order and it's incorrect and we're in a rush to get back to where we need to go. I think it happens when we're talking to our partner or our spouse and they say so, they say something about us that we don't agree and we don't see. And in that moment, can we say, you know what, I really appreciate you sharing with me that, that with me. I don't see it that way, but can you tell me more about that? Mm-hmm. It's like, I think that pra- it's almost like a yoga practice, practicing being grounded and letting those defenses go. It's a learned behavior and the brain has to be retrained because, you know, our primitive brain, it's like fight, flight or freeze. When we hear something that we feel threatened, even in an intellectual conversation, we may not be physically threatened, but we feel intellectually um, or emotionally threatened. And, you know, it's like become, I think more of us have to kind of step up, let level up and become the voice of reason in a room. Whatever your ethnic background is, whatever your gender background is, whatever your economic background is, whatever your political background is, where you can share that space and become that voice of reason. Because if you just become another person that's angry with them for whatever they're thinking, it just continues to, as you were saying, Locke, it just polarizes polarizes Mm -hmm. us even greater. So it's a learned behavior. And if we just remind ourselves that when we let our defenses down, then we might actually give the other person the possibility, the possibility of doing the same. Yeah. You know, it's interesting you say that because, you know, in order for your own voice to be heard, you have to be willing to do the same for others, allow them to have their voice. And and for some reason, what's coming up in my mind is, for example, uh, abortion. You know, are you pro-life or, you know, are you for or against abortion, which is which is a really touchy topic for a lot of individuals. And there are different understandings and beliefs behind whether it be religious beliefs or whatever the case may be behind why some people think it's right or wrong. Um, But I think it just leads to understanding. Are we looking to just be heard? Are we looking to just share our thought? Are we looking for understanding? Because there's always enlightenment that we can gain from everything. And I look at life almost like the yin and the yang. There's good and bad in everything. There's not just one specific way. Uh, that things should be so so how can we find the light in both topics right how can we because there's light and darkness in both right so how do we find that and and allow that to be heard just to be more enlightened not that we'll change our mind but if we want our voice to be heard we have to allow other individuals to share their voice as well so Janice, you said a little bit earlier, you know, citing situations where there's tension in a family mm-hmm. because of political differences or, you know, parents not talking to children or maybe spouses, mm-hmm. you know, we hear there's always kind of cutesy stories in the news like, oh, this couple, one's a Democrat, one's a Republican. Yeah. It's so cute. Ha ha. Yeah. Political differences and any kind of really strongly held differences can really impact relationships, though. Mm-hmm. How how can a relationship system expand and allow for differences of opinion without disappearing. Yeah. How much of how much of it can it take before it just collapses the system? Yeah. I mean I, I think that it's really important to let 
um, to be clear on where each person stands within that relationship. Like we, we, okay, we know mom's belief. We know dad's belief. We know cousin's belief. We know grandma. We know that that's where they are. And you know, what's really interesting when people know that you have a differing belief than them, sometimes they almost throw stuff out there. Like, well, you know, this is going to happen or, well, you know, that person's no good. <laughs> oh, you know, the whole country's going to fall apart. You know, they'll throw it out to almost see what kind of reaction they're going to get from you. And it's so surprising when you see somebody do something like that and you say, Wow, like I hear you. That's an interesting perspective. It's almost like, wait, I'm waiting. I'm let's do battle. <laughs> so you let them own their perspective, and then they may ask a question. Well, what do you think? It's okay to wait to be asked to the table of conversation instead of trying to sort of force this conversational meal on on other people. Yeah, you know, uh, back in March 2016, there was a study that was done. 18 million couples. Um, or were questioned about their political beliefs. 30% of the couples uh, came up where there was one person that was Republican and the other Democrat in the home. So there's these split differences, right? Even if you look up like uh, Mary Madeline her, and her husband, right? Um, yeah, James Carville. Yeah, They're James both Carville. strategists for different They're sides. Both, she's a Republican, he's Democrat, mm-hmm. and they've been married for 23 years. Somehow they've made it work, right? Um, I think... You know, in a relationship, there's always going to be differences. Political is just one thing, but yeah. how you raise the children, yeah. um, what your religious beliefs what are, do you go to, you what groceries you buy, or not. right? Vegan or not. Um, so I think in a relationship, it goes so much further than just uh, your political views. So it's about how do you then begin to make your relationship work based on. Uh, the cards that you're dealt within your relationship, right? Yeah, and, and like stop trying to turn the person into you because exactly. if you wanted another you, you wouldn't have married or partnered up with. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> or roomed up with this person. Exactly. There was something about the difference right. that was in- inviting. Yeah, and, and then one of the things that Janice and I teach is there are always going to be differences or what some people, Jan- Janice and I call them differences. Some people call them arguments, right? Or you're going to have some hard discussions. Um and sometimes those are okay. Sometimes those are necessary in a relationship uh, capacity. Uh, but here's where here's where you can test your growth is how you bounce back, right? Can you have those discussions mm-hmm. and then, you know... How quickly can you bounce back? How quickly resilience, can you bounce relational back? Relational resilience. Yeah, relational mm-hmm. resilience. How quickly can you bounce back from those arguments, disagreements? I don't believe this. I believe that. I believe, you know, this is the way our country should go. I believe this is the way we should go. Then can you wrap that up and go to dinner and, and just have a great time yeah, at dinner, right? and become aware of, like, when we're gaslighting yeah. each other, which is gaslighting. is like when someone says something and then you try and in a way, like coercively or manipulatively get them to change their point of view or get them to question their point of view. Right. Like how often does that show up? And can you just sit with it? It's a real, it's a real, absolutely. you know, it's like, you remember that poster, everything we needed to know in life we learned in kindergarten. (laughs) It's really a simple thing. Um, But I I think that uh, we have just become so intolerant of each other uh, we have to really focus on the commonalities as well. And as cliche yeah. as that sounds, like focus on what is working because, right. you know, big doors swing on small hinges. So what are, what are the what are the key things that are keeping the relationship intact? Those are the things to focus on. Absolutely. Acknowledge the things that do not, that where there's a misalignment or you don't agree, right. but don't let that become the overarching focus. And, and then relationship is about boundaries, right? So you may have one person who's just really driven about the whole political spectrum, Um but then maybe you have a political free zone, 
right? Like Mm -hmm. in this Mm -hmm. setting at the dinner table or, you know, whatever it is that you decide as a couple, this is a no politics zone. We don't discuss politics in this particular space, right? That way you can at least have a safe space within your home. Um, You know, like just kind of the example, Janice and I on Sundays, we have a a tech-free day. You know, we we put all the laptops down and turn the phones off and, you know, we just have a day where we can, yeah, absolutely. It's exciting. (laughs) And we got the kids, we have the kids on board with it. So set those boundaries as well. If If there are some things you have to speak up, and if there are some things that are making you uncomfortable That's as far true. as that conversation is concerned, set some boundaries. And get away from it. the shame and the blame. Yeah. Like if someone has a belief or an idea, we don't have to try and shame the person. That's I right. can't believe you think that. Yeah. You know, it's people like you that are causing da 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 shame and blame. It just creates a cycle that never really ever gets satisfied. That's right. Janice and Rock Rockman, thank you so much for your time and your discussion today. Thank you, Jennifer. Thank you. <laughs>